This week's podcast brought to you by All Posted Placards. I was in the car the other day listening to the 60s on 6 uh, on Sirius XM and um, the way the artist and song displays on my, you know, the, the display in my radio, it sometimes cuts off the title or cuts off the name of the artist and our 13-year-old was riding shotgun and she said, seriously, this guy's name is Engelbert Humper? <laughs> And I said, no, actually, that would be ridiculous. This guy's name is Engelbert Humperdink. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back Day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane Well, we're back with our latest, I guess, installment of the Ball and Chain podcast. We were planning on having one last week. We thought it would just be a day late because I was in Washington, D.C. calling game two of the WNBA finals on Tuesday. I was flying home Wednesday morning. You and I were going to record a podcast after I got back and it was just going to be a day late. But um, I boarded the flight in D.C. and uh, flew to Hartford. And as we were preparing to land, the captain came on and said, I can see the runway, but they're not letting us land. There has been an incident on the runway. And then he followed that up with, they're sending us back to Washington, D.C. And some of the people on the plane were not happy. One person, why aren't we landing in Westchester? Why aren't we landing in Providence, Rhode Island? But they didn't know what the incident was. They didn't not, Yeah, they didn't yet know what the incident was. But while we were in the air, because many people um, were on Wi-Fi and were able to uh, connect with whether it was news stories or people back home found out that it was because a World War II era plane had crashed on the runway at Bradley. And, um, a B-17. And, yeah, and so they needed to shut down the airport so and, and keep the airspace clear also, I guess, for um, the Lifestar helicopter to come in. So I guess a, l- a lot of flights were diverted to Providence and to Westchester, but of course those were flights that were coming from far away. Ours was very nearby. So we went back to D.C. I was lucky enough to get on a flight to Boston, ended up flying to Boston and then getting getting a car home. So I got home instead of at 1130 in time for us to do the podcast, got home at 6 p.m. that night. But uh, a minor inconvenience for me and our family, um, considering the enormity of what happened at Bradley. When I was on the plane to as I was boarding the plane that was going to Boston, I sat down and um, and a guy was next to me. And as I was starting to sit down, he asked me, he's like, can you move my bag from where it was in the overhead bin? He wanted it moved to a different part of the overhead bin. So I said, sure, I'll move your bag. So I moved this guy's bag. And, um, and then I sat down and somebody got on the plane and they looked at the guy next to me and said, you're actually in my seat. And this guy had gotten confused somehow. So anyway, he had to move a couple seats forward and so I now had a new seat made. Did he ask you if you could move him to his <laughs> new seat? <laughs> yeah. Well, this was kind of the funny part. So then after we landed in Boston, my second seatmate, I, you know, get out of my seat and I'm um I'll open the overhead bin and this guy said to me, Can I help you with your bag? Can I help you get your bag down? And I just thought the two different types of men, the one guy who asked me to move his bag and then the the second guy who actually offered to help me get mine down. So um, the gentleman in the cad. <laughs> yes, uh, appearing Monday nights on CBS, the gentleman in the cad. But uh, but it was a interesting little contrast. And there's you know five days I think between game two and game three of the WNBA finals. Um, and so one of those days I, I had to get up at four in the morning, catch a six a.m. flight to go down to Charlotte um, to spend. Um, the day there for ACC Media Day, meeting with all of the um, representatives and coaches from all of the the women's basketball teams in the ACC. It was it was a really fun day. But one of my favorite things that uh, that happened when I was flying home was um, 
the flight attendant or the the guy sitting next to me this time on the flight, um, it was it, the plane was cold, and he asked the flight attendant for a blanket. And the flight attendant clearly didn't hear exactly what he said because when my seatmate said, you know, can I please have a blanket? The flight attendant said, would you like that on the rocks? <laughs> so I don't know what blanket sounds like, but um, the flight attendant thought. Or maybe, what rocks was slang for. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, maybe my seatmate was like, yes, that's what's cold. I need the blanket <laughs> for that. Maybe. That um that flight to Charlotte, by the way, so I was up at 4.30. I got to the airport right around 5 to catch this 6 a.m. flight, and I was just in a bit of a fog. Um, I was, yes, wearing my, my just my Nike sweatsuit um, because it was just an early morning flight. And um, at some point, um, I hear somebody say to me, you look a lot like Rebecca Lobo. and uh, And I responded to him, Yes, I look a lot like her. And then he stuck his hand out and he said, hey, Rebecca, it's Jeff from Windsor, your Hollywood correspondent. So I got to meet in person Jeff from Windsor. And, uh, and I'm, you know, I've kind of... Jeff, been, who seems to split his time between Windsor, Connecticut and, and Hollywood. Yes, and, and I have hesitated... Two very similar places. <laughs> right. I have hesitated to allow you to just name him our Hollywood correspondent since he does split time between the two places, but especially now that I've met him. And he was telling me he was flying back to California, but he was going through Denver. And when he got to Denver, his son was flying. I forget where his son was flying from or to, but his son was also flying through Denver and Jeff was going to surprise him at the Denver airport. So hopefully all of that went off without a hitch. But it was um, it was nice to meet somebody, put a face with someone that um, that has been sending emails uh, to the Ball and Chain pod. And you hope it was a pleasant surprise for his son. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Um, I would just assume that it would be. The WNBA Finals Game 1 in Washington, D.C. was on a Sunday. But um, you and I actually both went down on Friday and had a chance to spend, what were we, in D.C. for 24 hours? A little less than that You before you had to leave. Uh, I was in D.C. for about... Yeah, 19 hours. 19 hours. Um, so anyway, 12 of which you slept for. <laughs> that is actually all 100% true. But uh, but we went to dinner. And we had a lovely dinner. And, um, and as we were leaving dinner and walking down the street, all of a sudden we hear someone yell, Ball and chain! Yeah, we had just come out of a restaurant. Just actually. come out of a restaurant. Right um, actually near, what, what's it called now? The Verizon Center? Whatever it's called, whatever it's basketball called. arena, hockey Bas- arena. Yeah, so um, right near there, we come out, we hear ball and chain. So we stop and go, and we talked to a gentleman and his wife, um, and said hello. But it's somebody who went to Marquette, like you, and uh, he said he and his wife both went to Marquette. He introduced himself as Rocky, I believe, and we made a nice, we had a nice chit chat about the uh, the slow motion demolition of our freshman dorm, McCormick Hall. And um, after about 35 seconds, his presumably long-suffering wife said, uh, Rocky, the taxi's waiting. Yeah, I think she had actually hailed a cab in his absence. Yeah, I think they were, uh, they, they were waiting for a little while. But it was really nice. And in the span of a week, we met one person is somebody who's written in to, um, to our email. But... But while, to meet while, two people who identify themselves as listeners of the podcast was really kind of cool. While Rocky's wife, who I'm going to call Adrian for, for purpose of this <laughs> podcast, was hailing a cab, Rocky was hailing us, right. which was kind of cool. Which was delightful, yeah. It was, uh, it was really, really and We had nice. a nice afternoon prior to that in Washington, D.C. We went to the uh, Museum of African American History and Culture. I can't wait to go back because you and I had about two and a half Hours there. Uh, about two and a half hours during which I had to do a radio show in Minneapolis. Right. And but that's you know, one of the reasons that we had to cut the visit a little short, but what a spectacular um, museum that and is. And the Bethune Cookman football team was there while we were there in, in sharp uh, blazers and ties, you know, team patches on the I did not speak to a single one of the members of the football team, but I came away with a, such a favorable impression of them, just how they were conducting themselves, how they were dressed in their like you said, blazers and ties, and um, they were playing Howard the next day. Yeah, and uh, but but I I really can't wait to go back to the museum because we saw 
maybe two of the floors, and I th- and it's got You're there for a couple of hours. You could spend yeah, a day there easily. easily. Um, and then we got to walk. But on the way in, before before you were wanded and frisked, uh, the young woman who was responsible for those duties asked if you were in fact you, and she was going to um, game two on Tuesday of the yeah. WNBA finals. Did you see her there? I did not see her there, um, but I'll say this: there was a because Ryan Ruko Hollyro and I were walking around the city a fair amount while we were there. We were there for four days, and um, a lot of people w- were stopping to talk about the WNBA. That that's clearly a city who has embraced their WNBA team. Both of the games, games one and two, there were sold out. The crowds were great. But getting back to our walk around, we. Uh, we got to walk by the mall. We got to walk by the monuments again, which is just one of my absolute f- favorite things to do. Um, after you left, I made sure to make a couple trips to the Lincoln Memorial because our daughter, for her upcoming book report, our eight-year-old, is uh, doing a book report on the Who is Abraham Lincoln or book. Or as she, as she puts it, Abraham, A-B-E-R-H-A-M, <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. Who is Abraham Lincoln. And she asked if I would get a picture of Abraham Lincoln sitting on the chair. And you know and, how when you're a kid, you there, you seize on one fact or one quasi-fact about an historical figure, and that's what you build your report around. So far, what has fascinated her uh, from the Who Was Abraham Lincoln book uh, is the fact that he was, a, he was a lawyer who had so many papers that he stored some of them in his, in his hat. <laughs> and she, she, in a rough draft of this, a sloppy copy, as they say, she had written down, you're probably wondering why he wore such a giant hat. It's because he stored, it's because before he was president, before he was a president, he was a lawyer and stored his paper in his hat. (laughs) I can't wait to read the final copy. She has gone through a couple versions of the sloppy copy, including some pictures that she's drawn that's going to be part of her report. But um, it was great walking around there one night. Uh, I think it was after game one, which is, was an afternoon game. Um, we went out to dinner, Ryan, Holly, myself, and people from the crew. And um, and after that, uh, it was Ryan and Holly's idea to go for a walk. And this was 11 p.m. And we went and walked down to the monuments uh, because uh, the Lincoln Memorial in particular at night is just spectacular. So from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m., we were walking around the monuments. And it, it was... Um, a little bit surprising, but pleasantly so, that there were a lot of people. There was still a good number of people at midnight at the Lincoln Memorial, kind of just taking it all in. There was one, uh, say probably a woman in her early to mid-20s who was um, sitting on the steps, swigging directly out of a bottle of wine. Um, we couldn't tell if she was, you know, happy, sad, or somewhere in if, between. If that, but if that is not a metaphor for our uh, times, I don't yeah. know what is. <laughs> right. Well, Ryan said to me, he's like, should I go ask her if she's okay? And I said, no, look at her. She she looks like she's just fine. But uh, but anyway, it, it was a spectacular few days. Did you do any, th- any reflecting by the reflecting pool? <laughs> no, um, we did thoroughly enjoy the reflecting pool, though. But um, gosh, the, I think that's got to be my favorite place to go for a walk or a run in, uh, in any WNBA city that well, I've ever been in. Speak, Just so lovely. Speaking of reflecting, you know, I was in Washington, as you say, for about 19 hours. I flew back Saturday morning, oversleeping a little, racing to the airport, jumping on a plane, flying back to Hartford, going straight to our son's soccer game. I arrived in the second half, and then it was just a series of another game after that and another game after that. And I hit the hay sometime Saturday night, got up Sunday morning, hit the ground running with more more games, and um, I was at in a parking lot somewhere, and I saw a a haggard middle-aged man, uh, somewhat pathetically trying to pick the knot out of his drawstrung pants. And, and was this a reflection of yourself, or no? It was literally my own reflection, uh, reflected in the uh, black side panel of our Honda Odyssey. And uh, that's when I realized, not for the first time, that uh, things aren't going well. I'm sorry. I didn't actually know that you were going there. I wouldn't have jumped you on your punchline. <laughs> well, the, it, it, that's fine. I mean, it, it, it's true. And the, the ref, our reflections on the reflecting pool made me think of that. Well, we, um, as we are recording this today on Monday, um, 
yesterday was game three of the WNBA finals. I spent most of the day at the Mohegan Sun, but I was here in the morning and here in the evening. And the reason that was so important to me was because yesterday was our son's 11th birthday. And um, if the WNBA finals had involved any other combination of teams, I would not have been home. If Connecticut was in it, they would, and it wasn't Washington, they would have been in the one seat and I would have been away somewhere. If Washington was in it, it was another team, I would have been wherever that is. So um, it just worked out beautifully that I did not miss our, our son's birthday. It was and, also uh, your birthday. It was also my birthday. And actually, I wanted to bring that up because um, I had a lovely birthday. I had a great time on my birthday. I was so glad to be here. But uh, since oh no. I think, but since I think, oh dear, the first podcast we ever did talked a little bit about the fact that gift giving is not one of your strengths. Not one of my gifts. It's not one of your gifts. I, I, I'm good at reflecting by reflecting pools, <laughs> but one of my gifts is not gift giving. Correct. I think perhaps our audience might want to know what I got for my birthday. And, and let's rewind two weeks because your birthday was two weeks ago. And, and I admit that I, I didn't do an amazing job. I got you clothes um, and a record album. I mean, if you really want to, if you really want to uh, bring this up, go ahead. But, but I I'm, think I'm I sitting think... here in somewhat disbelief and not in a, not in a performative way. I'm just, uh, <laughs> but do you think people don't want to know? What no, I got they, they probably birthday? do want to know. I just can't believe that. But go ahead. Okay. So, um, you gave me um, two packages of ballpoint pens. They are the pens that I use. They're the pens that I, I put in my desk drawer. The pens that, that you always accuse me of stealing, that, the kids that, are stealing, and that, 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 yes. that are always gone. They always disappear. I open my drawer. There used to be you know, 10 pens in there. I need a pen to r- quickly write something. They're no longer there. So you got me two packages of pens. I need them. I appreciate them. I will absolutely our, our use them. Our eight-year-old daughter got them and gave, was excited to give them yes. to you because she knows how much you like them. Yes. And I, I, was, I showed her the, the real level of excitement, which was high. I, I totally knew that it was one of our kids' ideas, and um, I appreciated that. And then I got um, a box of dark chocolate from Munson's Chocolate. That was a score. I love... I love dark chocolate. You know that. And yep. You used to get me truffles, which I didn't like, but now you get me dark chocolate. Great you also gift. know that, which is why you said to our 14-year-old the day before your birthday, I bet you got me dark chocolate from Munson's. So, well, she, again, wasn't, she wasn't it, supposed to share that. Well, she shared it immediately and preempting any kind of a nice gesture by saying, you know, oh, I bet you got this predictable thing that... Well, no, uh, she said to me, she said, we went we, we we went birthday shopping for you. I said, I bet you got me... I said it in this way. I said, I bet you got me some dark chocolate from Munson's. And, um, and I expected her to just, like, say, I'll never tell. But instead, she said, yeah, that's exactly what you got Well, me. In, instead of, first of all, she didn't get either, either of those things. I went out separately and got those things. She and I went out shopping for her brother. But um, uh, I said, you know, let's think of things, since mom won't give me any ideas, let's think of things that she likes and just get her things she likes, like those pens, like chocolate. And she said, but there isn't anything that, that mom likes besides basketball. I mean, that's her job, that's her only hobby, and uh, it's the only thing she likes. And when we got home, we mentioned this to you, and you said that's not true, and you said this completely straight-facedly. You said, I love coaching you guys in basketball. I said, no, she because when you guys came home from shopping for me, she said to me, we were trying to, Dad and I were trying to think of what your hobbies are, and we couldn't think of anything other, other than basketball. And I said, you know, I said, what I enjoy doing, I enjoy coaching you kids. I enjoy watching you in all the sports that you play. It wasn't just basketball. You have no hobbies, obviously. And I said to her, I said, there isn't anything that I don't do that I wish I had time to do. Like, I'm I'm relatively content in uh, in what's going on. So people, anyway. I don't, I don't think people would believe, honestly, that we're, we're being serious here. But basketball is what you – it'd be like if you were to think about you know, Colonel Sanders when he was still alive. And, you know, he's he started Kentucky Fried Chicken. He's in chicken commercials. Uh, he's synonymous with chickens. But surely when he's at home, he's not surrounded by chickens uh, with, with chicken paintings on the wall, uh, spending all of his time uh, thinking and talking about chicken in his spare time, that is. But you th- you that really is the case with you and you, you think that's that's equal to this. Anyway, let's get you're, back. You're the Harlan Sanders. <laughs> let's. <laughs> well, no, you're not because he... he because he probably he probably played the cello or something. Anyway, let's get back to my my birthday. And so 
then the third gift you gave me, which was quite thoughtful, was an LP there of Johnny Cash's yeah. greatest hits. Right. I didn't give that to you. Well, the kids gave it to me because when I two weeks ago when I was out getting your birthday present and I got you the Let It Be Beatles album, I saw that they also had Johnny Cash's greatest hits. And I was like, you know what? I would really like to listen to that on, as an LP. So I purchased it. And when our daughter was helping me wrap your presents, I, she said, is this for dad too? I said, no, you're going to wrap that up give that to me for my birthday. So those are my three presents. Well, I, I would have liked to have gotten you a, a Johnny Cash LP, but you had already gotten it I for got, yourself well, for me I, to give to you. I didn't think that you would probably and while, think of that. So anyway, very, I got, I got very... a couple packages of pens and a, and a thing of dark chocolate from you. And um, and, and from you, and, and I appreciated it. I would never go on a podcast and complain about it. From you, I got a box of pants to try on. <laughs> and I tried some of them on, and some of them fit, some of them didn't. And, and, a, and a record and then album. I will probably return the ones that didn't fit because my, your gift to me was nice pants now, and, so and, a, and an hour-long round trip to return them. <laughs> well, anyway, I, I loved my gifts. I loved my birthday. Again, I only brought it up because... We've talked about this in the past, and I'm sure most of our listeners were just thinking, oh, Rebecca had a birthday. I wonder what's thoughtful, well, you brought thoughtful it up, Steve You brought it up her. preceded by that one of my gifts is not gift-giving. But you have so many others well, that I truly, truly One of my gifts definitely is not spare time. So I did go out and get our son his presents and You and got my him wife. one of his presents. I got him other presents. Okay. He had a great birthday, and that's what really mattered to me. He really enjoyed the things that we got him, and um, that was kind of delightful. It's, it, one of the things that we got him for his birthday was Xbox NBA 2K 2020, which is the one that has uh, where you can play WNBA players and WNBA teams. So our 13-year-old daughter has zero interest in playing Xbox, but when I told her the feature on the new NBA game, she got all excited, so she might be interested um, in playing the WNBA part of NBA 2K. And while I was downloading, the first thing our son said, I don't know if he did because I wasn't home, but is, uh, should I play uh, WNBA first? And I said, whatever you want to do. So That's really what he asked? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, enough of this nonsense. I um, The gift that I that was given me this, this month was on October 1st, Sirius XM launched for one month only, they say, uh, and I'm not on their payroll, uh, I'm paying them, but uh, launched a Johnny Carson channel on uh, channel 105. It's only for a month? Yeah. Oh, and I didn't it know It was that. rendered, all the other XM channels are now dead to me, and it's all that I listen to in the car. And because I spend two to four hours a day in the car, um, I've listened to it a lot. And it's just replaying episodes of The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson, I would say from the early 70s to the mid to late 80s that I've heard and uh, it has been it has been um, riveting listening for me, and our son has loved listening to it and has quoted back some of the uh, some of the jokes he's heard and some of the phrases he's heard on the Tonight Show. And I've heard, you know, I heard the other day him introducing Jeff Seinfeld and correcting himself. No, it's Jerry Seinfeld in a 1984, I think it was uh, episode and. Um, and just his kind of gentle interviewing manner. You've listened to some of it, haven't you? Yeah, I've gotten in um, the car after you've driven it, and so it was on because I had no idea that this was um, that this was happening. And it's been wonderful. And and uh, yesterday I was listening to interviews he did from 1976, I believe. I didn't even recognize most of the people who were his guests, but it was still um, really entertaining and. Just, you know, sitting there listening with no visual, you realize what an unbelievably great interviewer he was, genuinely interested in these people. He's like the male version of Holly Rowe to me. And he was listening, and he was letting the guest shine, and he was he was bailing the guest out of dead air. and you know, Making I've himself heard, the butt of the jokes. Yeah, he I, was It was just everything you would want an interviewer to be. I've heard it said that, you know, the, the start of the show was he was the star, the monologue, the desk piece. And then, you know, when the guests came out, they were the star, and he, he pulled back and, and, you know, was funny. And uh, when he needed to be to give the interview life, but he was always made the guests look good. And the conversation is so much slower, so much more relaxed. There was so much more room to breathe. And it almost gave me the um, 
This would be the the worst compliment that Johnny Carson has ever gotten in a career in a lifetime of them. But it was almost struck me as a precursor to podcasting in that I'm listening to this TV show, but it's in the car and they're just interviews. You know, there's a monologue. Some of the comedy bits required visuals, but I'm enjoying it as much, if not more, just listening to it. I mean, I can picture almost all of these people who are on the show, but I'm loving it. There's no point beyond it uh, other than that. What um, Do you remember what channel it's on? on 105. Sirius? Channel 105. Yeah, if people subscribe to Sirius XM, um, give it a listen for sure. Much of my time um, listening to Carson in the car spent going back and forth between soccer games over the weekend. And there was a great moment in uh, the eight-year-old's soccer game this past Saturday morning when the coach of the opposing team, of course, a lot of this is trying to herd squirrels and get the kids in their right positions and the coach was yelling out some tactical advice that was probably a couple of steps ahead of where the kids are at this point because he was yelling girls are we wide or are we compact are we wide or are we compact and as he was saying the second repeating the second time are we wide or are we compact he said are we wide or are we Haley you're going the wrong way (laughs) (laughs) I thought let's start with that let's start with we're going towards that goal. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of coaching kids in any sport at that age is I, I learned that early on, you know, talk about offense and defense and then realize by looking in the kids' faces, they don't know what offense means. They don't know what defense means. If you talk about, you know... Being the, wide and compact is a sort of metaphorical shape for your team. It's it's, uh, it's right. a concept that's even harder to grasp than kick the ball and that goal down there. One of my favorite things about that game is our daughter on her team has a girl who's basically like the hype man for every one of her teammates. Um, she, at least early on in the game, she was playing like middle defender or whatever, and she was just cheering every single thing that each teammate was doing in a genuine, full-of-life way, and it was delightful. We could hear it all from the sideline. It's the kind of kid that no matter what her skill level is now or what it is in the future, if she continues to have this kind of an attitude, you want that kid on every kind of sports team because... She was um, she was just so encouraging to all of her teammates. It was really sweet to listen to. Our daughter was playing goal for the first time ever in the first half, and she was out there with her. It was you know thirty eight degrees at kickoff, so she had long uh, black sleeves on and the big goalkeeper glove, the big hamburger helper goalkeeper glove. So she looked like Mickey Mouse. Yeah, and um, she she led in a goal, and that engine of the central defense, as you say. Uh, said to her, that's okay, you're doing awesome. And I, I just love that. Yeah, it was, uh, she was just, she was exactly what you want um, a teammate or a player that you coach to be. Okay, I, you know, just a couple of food notes from this past week. And I've forgotten, we've been off for, this will be two weeks, and I've, I think I've forgotten everything that happened in the in the week that we were off. But I, I did make a couple of notes in my phone that were food related. One of them was um, in DC, and I, I've now since seen it here in Connecticut, so it must be everywhere. A sign in the window of a Subway sandwich shop that was boasting of their pit smoked brisket. Their pit smoked brisket? Yeah. Hmm. Sounds delectable. Delicious. That's just an interesting phrase, don't you think? Pit smoked brisket? Pit smoked actually anything, says, really. Naturally pit-smoked brisket, <laughs> which presumably is better than artificially pit-smoked brisket. That makes me think the first time um, when our kids were little and they referred to their elbow pit or their knee pit, because since they had an armpit, they just assumed that the other side of the elbow and the well, other side the, of the, the knee was the elbow well, pit and the knee when, pit. When, when I would tickle them uh, as kids, I'd, you know, tickle the armpit, they would say, like, not in the leg pit, or, or under the chin would be the neck pit. <laughs> And the other note that I had, there was, it was just a headline in, in the Boston Globe, and I didn't, I didn't click on it. Uh, I wish I had now, but it's not in front of me. Um, there was a headline about a pop-up, a pop-up poutinery in pop-up Boston. Poutinery. The Boston Globe tweeted a pop-up poutinery in Boston today, and there was a line out the door. Do pop-ups have doors? Well, that's a good question, but sure, why wouldn't a pop-up have a door? It's still, know. it's still something, we- and. Um, my point was not the pop-up so much as the poutinery. Right. Well, we've talked in a podcast long ago. I didn't uh, think I didn't know exactly what poutine was, but I do now. 
that's what you serve in a poutinery, pop right. up or otherwise. Right, exactly. Uh, we should open like a pop up, pop over place. There you go. There you go is your way of saying <laughs> Move moving on to on. the next thing. Okay, <laughs> here we go. But all of my phone, uh, um, all of my phone, all of my notes are not on my phone here. I've just uh, pulled from my pocket a an American Airlines cocktail napkin, travel refreshed American Airlines, on which I had jotted down a few notes from our flight to D.C. First of all, we parked at Bradley Airport in Hartford in the overheight parking. <laughs> Not overnight park. It was overnight parking, but it has a special section for overheight parking. Right. So we were in overnight, overheight parking. Now, that begs the question would any person our size, even if they were driving a Volkswagen bug, would they also have to park in the overheight parking, or does it just refer to the automobile? Or is there a place where they just replace the H with a W and there's also overweight parking? If you're driving like a, <laughs> a rider truck or something packed with barbells. I don't know. You don't know that. And uh, what else did I reach out to? Well, we've talked about airline announcements. They've been a, a staple of stand-up comedy for decades. And yet there's always a new, not a new one, an old one that, that registers in my ear for the first time when I'm on a flight, and you've heard this a thousand times, but I've never really, and they're all so inane, the, the uh, announcements, but this one, this is the one I wrote down. Please ensure your approved electronic device has been switched to airplane mode. Please assure that your approved electronic device, have you ever had an electronic device approved prior to flight? No, and I wonder if that's because there was a stretch for a while where wasn't it the Samsung, the battery was like, combusting mid-flight. Can you use combust with an ING? Anyway, maybe that's why, and they still say no, that. No, they've said that long, long before that. And, yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I don't know what would be a unapproved. It has been turned off or switched to airplane mode. Yeah. And uh, my other favorite one is federal regulations require compliance with all posted placards. <laughs> Which, Obey the signs? Is this what that, right, this means? Right. And Federal I, regulations require compliance with all posted placards. And the only posted placards, and they're not even close to being what I would define as a placard first of all, anymore. First of all, are there unposted placards right. on the plane? If you if you open an overhead bin and a series of yard signs falls out, you don't have to you don't have to comply with federal regulations do not require you to comply with those. Right. Well but think about what what are the placards? So it's um you know the little seatbelt sign saying you have to be seated, the no smoking sign in the bathroom. In some particularly ancient airplanes, the no smoking sign, even though smoking hasn't been allowed on airplanes. Oh right. In, in Actually years. there's there's a lot of those pla- planes right. that still have that. Um what else? What are the other placards Sit down. that they're referring to? Sit down. Occupied, you know, don't go into the occupied bathroom. I guess. Uh, if, if uh, you know, if in the event of a, a water landing or whatever the nonsense they say is, um, a, a path will be illuminated. Follow the illuminated path to the nearest exit. Right. But that's an illuminated path. That's not, not a posted a placard. placard. No. <laughs> yes, the difference between the illuminated path and the posted placard. Shall we get to viewer mail? Yes, let's please get to viewer mail. <laughs> Okay, well, not chronologically, but the first viewer mail that uh, I'm looking at here is headlined, Thanks for Being So Nice. And it comes to us from the aforementioned Rocky. Oh, yay. What does Rocky say? Rocky says, Stephen, Rebecca, I'm sure you're more than a bit stunned tonight to be walking down the streets of Washington to hear a 55-year-old fanboy yell out, Ball and Chain. Rocky looked fantastic for 55. I would have, I would have had him... Uh, pegged for much younger? Pegged for much younger. There you go. Uh, in my defense, I have nothing other than one, not expecting to see you. Two, having just arrived at, uh, in town after being on a plane for eight hours for my one and a half hour flight, although you may be the only two people in the world who would appreciate deplaning and then getting to go through Dante's nine levels of airplane group boarding for a second time for the same flight. And three, again, simply being a fanboy. But having liked Steve's Alan Page Instagram post from earlier in the day, we saw his portrait at the African American Museum. We did. Uh, and knowing that Rebecca would be announcing the Mystics game Sunday, I should have put it together. But no, I was too gobsmacked from just the reality of you. Although I am pleased that I did not shout out Rebecca's presence, a la the drivers at the driver's license facility. <laughs> a la the driver's license facility. At least to anyone other than my wife. 
Um, I was too gobsmacked to do anything other than mumble about McCormick Hall. Thank you for being so gracious, and I had a fun, uh, had fun explaining the whole thing to my wife and daughter and her friends who were heading out to meet for dinner. Signed, Rocky. So he did have to explain to his wife what exactly he was, who he was talking to, and what we were talking about as she was. Trying to get him in the car so yeah, they wouldn't be late for right, dinner. Exactly. So well, he was delightful, and we really enjoyed speaking with him. Absolutely. Dear Rebecca and Steve, writes uh, Carriana in, in an email. This is to ballandchainpod at gmail The header is Who wore at best pleated pants in meatballs? Pleated pants and or in and pleated pants and meatballs. Yeah. All right. Let's hear it. That's that's uh, they're not necessarily You've, connected. My my interest has been piqued. Perhaps this is a situation where would you like your blanket on the rocks? On the rocks, exactly. Uh, Dear Rebecca and Steve, enjoyed Doodles and Company today on my way to Mount Holyoke for a meeting. When you shared your story about the matching orange WNBA sweatshirts, I thought of People Magazine's Who Wore It Best. Mm. You, Ryan, any other members of your squad have the matching orange Holly has it. She was not wearing it that day. Perhaps uh, Steve can convince Sports Illustrated to put in a Who Wore It Best before the next series. I also laughed when you shared the story about buying the hobo pants for Steve. That was the box of pants you gave me for my birthday. I actually no longer buy my husband, West Hartford Matt, uh, clothes because unlike your situation, he never wears what I buy him. I'm always trying to get him to branch out from his everyday khakis. Why not try a nice navy or a gray pair of slacks? Now, West Hartford Matt apparently knows and knows what he likes, and those are khakis. And that's kind of the uniform for the West Hartford resident. Yeah, that's a West Hartford Matt kind yeah. of a kind of thing. Kind of a thing. I guess I did get him to finally stop buying pleated khakis. Sometimes it's the small victories. <laughs> that is a that is a significant victory, actually. Like meatballs on your spaghetti. I think this is the connection between the meatballs and the khakis. Right. Matt loves the new book much more than the actual White Castle burgers I got him for Father's Day. They're still in the freezer. I'm look for, looking forward to reading it next. Hope you're both over your back-to-school colds. Carrie in West, West Hartford. Hartford. I love that she got him White Castles. I, I like even more that he's yet to consume them. <laughs> <laughs> well, he should consume them. Roger writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, listen to your podcast on the way in this morning. When I opened my email, this was near the top of the list. Subject. The best bear spray and binocular for hikers. Roger is in Colorado. He's the Colorado waving cyclist, and he encloses a um, an for ad bear spray. for a bear spray. You know what? Counter assault, it's called, which seems kind of violent for our purposes. On Saturday, I drove down to the Mohegan to um, to watch the two teams practice and to be part of um, the media time that you get with the coaches and players. And I brought our fourteen year old with me. And on the way home, we pull in the driveway, and as I turn to pull us into the the garage, a big bear just sprinted across, right across the top of our driveway. Um, so, yes, there are not only bears when you and I go running on the path, there are bears all over the place in this town. It's why the high school, our local high school, their mascot is the bears. Perhaps we should get this counter-assault bear deterrent, in quotation marks, grizzly tough. Grizzly tough? Yes. Maybe. Maybe you should just start carrying one of the fire extinguishers that you Perhaps. carried in your in your but youth you, and uh, we, use that. We talked about your birthday. My birthday two weeks ago, you were on the road somewhere, and I mentioned that the first 10 or 12 people to contact me to wish me a happy birthday were telemarketers and doctor's offices. Right. Roger says that, oh, and Steve, regarding your birthday wishes, my first this year as I hit 60 was from my gastroenterologist reminding me that it was, well, that time again, as if hitting 60 wasn't enough. <laughs> Well, Carrie mentioned meatballs. We may as well stay on that topic. Uh, Tom writes, uh, Tom, he always signs Tom, not your brother, Tom. Tom in Annandale, Annandale, Virginia, writes, Steve, today I ordered a meatball sub for lunch, brought it back to my office, and immediately dug in. I managed only a few bites until the inevitable occurred. A meatball slid out the back and end as I chomped down on the front. It fell to the floor, a floor that, a floor that is rarely cleaned beyond a perfunctory vacuuming. I, of course, immediately picked it up and ate it. <laughs> You are an inspiration to me, Tom, not your brother, Tom, Annandale, Virginia. This goes back to your day in New York when your sandwich fell on yeah, the that was a, That was a hot ham and cheese, oh. melted cheese, hot ham, open-faced onto West 49th Street between the Today Show Studios and the Rockefeller Center Skating Rink, mm-hmm. and I picked it up and ate it. Uh, this next uh, viewer mail comes in from Sean and Diana in New Hampshire. Restiva, they write, and I, I have a feeling it was only one author of this email, but 
they signed both names. One, regarding the clueless 58-year-old at the store, who was that? Who was the clueless 58-year-old? When I was shopping for your box full of pants, there was a guy there who was back in Connecticut for his high school reunion, 40th, and uh, and he his luggage was lost, and so he was trying to figure out what pants to wear, what pants oh, to right, buy, right. and no idea his size, what he should wear, that whole thing. So my next album, by the way, is going to be called The Box Full of Pants. Regarding the clueless 58-year-old at the store, absolutely 58-year-olds and older are trying to impress people at their reunions. My dad went to his 45th high school reunion a couple of years after his divorce. Upon returning home, he was receiving calls from multiple women trying to establish a dating relationship. Alas, he was only interested in one, a woman he had had a massive crush on back in high school. He wasn't able to close the deal then, but he did 47 years later, as they were married two years after the reunion. He was never happier. How about that? So, a lesson for uh, Matt in West Hartford, ditch the pleated khakis. So what? So when he wants to get rid of his current wife, he can find No, no, for his present a... wife. Oh, for his present wife. Okay. Well, who knows? Like, where are you going I don't want, with I don't want to limit Matt. So. <laughs> Two, can we pause for a moment and pay homage to the often overshadowed 1985 classic, The Sure Thing, as briefly mentioned in Knights in White Castle. That is the movie, movie. starring John Cusack, Daphne Nuzig Zuniga. It's a parent's nightmare. Teenagers traveling cross-country with their thumbs out, gratuitous underage drinking, and casual sex between strangers. What's not to like? Unlike many other classics from the 80s, it's rarely on TV. Not currently available on cable, Netflix, Amazon, or Hulu. I'm convinced Nick from New Girl and all Nicks are named from this scene. Nick's your buddy. Nick's the kind of guy you can trust. The kind of guy you can drink beer with. The kind of guy that doesn't mind if you puke in his car. Well, this is a 1985 film. Yeah. And 34 years later... Sean and Diana can conjure this line. Sean and or Diana can conjure this line. I have no doubt from memory. And that was a movie about college freshmen in 1985, and I was a college freshman in 1985. Three, my wife and I love the podcast. She's not a sports fan at all, but she perks up when she hears Rebecca's voice covering a basketball game. You've helped us pass many hours traveling in the car together, often to see our son's college lacrosse games. Fall season is in full swing this week. Keep up the great work. Sean and Diana in Bow, New Hampshire. I like uh, I like that hearing my voice make her makes her perk up versus when you and our children hear my voice it makes you completely tune out. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wrote a story in Sports Illustrated a few weeks ago or published a few weeks ago on ticket stubs, tickets, the death of paper tickets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've gotten some uh, did we talk about that in a podcast? We must have because we're getting podcast mail on that. Anyway, Pat, Pat Eaton Rob Oh, Pat. Hello, Pat. Pat writes, Hey, Stephen, Rebecca, I enjoyed the conversation about saving ticket stubs. I kept two for years in my wallet before it was stolen. Floor seats to a 1984 REM concert and the stub to the last Hartford Whalers home game from 1997. That would be a good one to have. Yeah, both of them. I've, I have been a bit of a hoarder when it comes to press passes. As you can see from the photo, he encloses a, a, a photo that many of us in sports journalism have of a piles of lanyarded laminated press credentials what do you do with them you throw yours away generally right except for i keep a, a handful of them like i kept the one from the women's final four two years ago where Enrique gumboale won the semifinal game and the championship on a buzzer beater because it was an iconic moment one of the things i'm trying to do now is when i'm done with the press pass at the end of the event um to leave at least the lanyard part there like if i'm at I don't know, say I'm at a Connecticut Sun game. To reuse. So they can reuse them. How green of you. I'm trying to be more conscious of that. Well, um, Pat found a good way to repurpose these. I used to give career day talks at my kids' school when they were younger and would let each student pick one to have and wear during the class so they could ask questions like a real reporter. I assume Pat would then give one-word answers for their questions (laughs) and or say next, shout them down, and uh, have them removed by... PR people. That's a great idea. It absolutely is. Uh, Now they just pile up. I do keep my passes from presidential visits separate. He also encloses a photograph of his oldest presidential visit, uh, uh, the trip of the president to Norwich, Connecticut, February 24th, 1994, with a credential with the White House on it. Oh, cool. Dr. Gary Siegel has an email here titled Real Tickets and Sports Illustrated. Dear Rebecca and Steve, I hope that you're well, and I'm terribly sorry to hear of the sale of Sports Illustrated and the layoffs that have occurred. That was in the news this past week. That said, I've taken a moment to attach pictures of paper tickets to the United States Formula One Grand Prix in Austin, Texas, which will be a boys' trip at the end of the month. And in fact, yes, Formula One, as you know, I've become a somewhat enthusiastic about Formula One after watching that Netflix documentary. The, the uh, F1 is in Austin in November. 
Um, and he encloses his tickets. Those tickets, you know, F1 is usually a Friday, Saturday, Sunday event with a race on Sunday. He has tickets to what I assume are the um, are the qualifying, and then also tickets to Imagine Dragons on Friday, Pink on Saturday, and Race Day on Sunday. So must be a Super Bowl-like atmosphere. I can't wait for Dr. Siegel to write in after the event. With his review of Imagine Dragons? Of the whole thing, of course. And or pink. I'm a bit late on the Yankees versus Twins article. I wrote an article in SI on the Twins domination of the Yankees. But it's next up when I go to the of gym. The and the Twins real... domination of the Yankees? No, of the Yankees domination of the yeah. Twins, which is going on right now. Right. It probably may have been over by the time uh, you hear this. Um, Dr. Siegel also encloses a tweet by a Scott Slade of WSB in Atlanta Today is National Punctuation Day, and yes, I still use a period at the end of my texts. If you don't, how does anyone know you didn't have an accident before you finished your thought? I know, I know. Dad texting. <laughs> that's that's totally you. You don't write. You, I, you I, still I, write everything in full sentences, full. Uh, you write the words completely out, not? which I like. Why no, not? I, I'm not I'm, that's not a criticism. I like that you do that. And I know Dr. Siegel likes it because uh, he says that... Uh, He's going to read Knights, Knights and White Castles on Deck after he reads Dreyer's English, an utterly correct guide to clarity and style, written by uh, Benjamin Dreyer, who's a, a copy editor and language guru. Uh, I'm sorry, Dr. Seeker writes, that I couldn't watch the WNBA today as the Braves were playing in St. Louis. Please Steve, tell Steve I will read the SI article about the Twins and Yankees, uh, but I'm sorry that it doesn't look good for the Twins as of Sunday night. It doesn't look good for them as of uh, Monday afternoon either, Dr. Siegel. Lastly, for Rosh Hashanah last week, Jewish New Year, he puts in helpfully, uh, the whole fam family, a Southernism, I believe, he writes, the whole fam family was here, including now walking one-year-old Miriam and three-month-old smiling Hattie. He encloses a picture of the of the two young, adorable toddlers. Uh, for some reason, the, the two ladies lounging, as he writes, on the dog's bed. Dog's bed, I, I can say, is about as clean as our dog's bed. The yeah. same color, the same texture. It's not clean at all, is, is my point. And um, yet here are these two uh, lovely toddlers. One of them has a sippy cup. Both of them are on the dog's bed. The dog, presumably, if their house is anything like ours, is in the kid's bed. That reminds me of, I, I didn't babysit very much when I was a kid. I babysat a handful of times. And I remember once babysitting for a neighbor, about, I don't know, a mile down the street, um, who had a, a son and a daughter. I was maybe a sophomore in high school. And the mom had left like baked macaroni and cheese in the oven. And I, all I'd do was take it out and, and um, serve it to the kids along with hot dogs. And when I did that, I grabbed a bowl and I put the buns in the hot, I put the hot dogs in the buns and put those in the bowl as a serving bowl and put them on the table. And uh, the, the girl came in and she said, um, that's the dog's bowl. <laughs> and I just remember saying, oh, shoot, it's okay if you don't tell your mom about this. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, you said, and? Right. <laughs> that's when you yeah. realize not everybody did it that way. Yeah, I guess not. Well, yet another time writes, um, Restiva, I found an envelope with some old ticket stubs in my file cabinet a few days ago. I added a few more from the last few weeks, and he sends photographs of these. Uh, as you can tell, I go to a lot of Notre Dame sporting events, and there's a ton of Notre Dame football tickets here f with a 20-year time span. When it, and there's a, there's a couple of these tickets are framed from a football game of, of Tom with a young boy, and then a couple of them framed 19 years later with Tom with a young man. And um, uh, when I take someone to Notre Dame Stadium for the first time, I keep the tickets and get them framed. The one that is the the one that is the scoreboard is the first game I ever went to at Notre Dame Stadium. Then there's the one with my wife and son when he was five, and now he is 25. The other one is with my youngest son two years ago. And I had this very sensation yesterday, not with tickets, but with our son yesterday when he turned 11. We were looking through old photographs uh, of the kids when they were toddlers and and believe me i'm still grateful that he's just 11 and he can still you know open birthday presents with delight that are you know toys and things like that but that passing of time is is um, it hits you obviously on your kid's birthday and we've got a couple of uh, uh viewer mails with white castle in the header um the first comes from kevin kevin writes uh i definitely wanted to pass this on this news on to you for the next time you are picking up a Crave case. It's not one of ours, but I had to share. Kevin in Boise is our is our uh, our beer expert, I believe, and he can he includes an article from Food and Wine. The headline is Mike White Castle gets its own beer, courtesy of Weyerbacher Brewing. And I've seen this White Castle. There is a White Castle beer now. Have you seen it? 
in stores? No, no. In fact, this article says that um, that it's. uh, sort of regional. Currently, both White Castle and Weyerbeck are consistent seven states, New York, New Jersey, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, and Wisconsin. Uh, Lamp, whoever that is, told Brewbound that the brewery would have to expand its distribution to reach the rest of White Castle locations in Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Minnesota, Missouri, Nevada, and coming next month, Arizona. We, we did mention White Castle is moving to Arizona. Now we mention uh, White Castle beer. And Myra, our resident uh, librarian, writes and says, Hi, Stephen Rebecca. After thoroughly enjoying Nights in White Castle, I was inspired to figure out what happened to my White Castle from the early 1980s. While living in southeast Minneapolis and working in City Hall downtown, I walked or biked past a tiny White Castle every morning. Since it was 7.45 a.m., and also because the building was surrounded by various birds and other wildlife feasting on whatever version of foodstuffs were on the sidewalk, I never actually went inside, but I still considered it my White Castle. And now, in recent years, when I've passed by that area, there is no White Castle. I feared I was having false memories, but it turns out the building was was designed to be movable. In fact, those white castles, those those old white castles, were designed to be packed up and moved to whenever that neighborhood had been fished out. You could pack it up and move it somewhere else. That's interesting. It is interesting. Over time, it has been moved several times, and though no longer a white castle restaurant, it still exists and is currently at thirty third and Lindale in South Minneapolis. I think it had become like a real estate office. It had become something else. Uh, it was added to the National Register of Historic Places in 1986 as one of the few remaining examples of this type of building. So even though it isn't the White Castle you frequented, still, it's further proof of White Castle's historic and cultural significance. On a completely unrelated note, writes Myra, I really appreciated your article on the death of paper tickets. It appeared just as I was trying to accept the new normal of having no tangible ticket for my next significant event. It's so nice to know that there are like-minded people out there. I thought it was just me and that my inability to throw away tickets was weird. I don't think that's weird or hoarding. I think most people keep their ticket stubs, don't you? You have a memory associated with it. Robert in in New Hampshire, Bob in New Hampshire writes... uh, the header is just, thank you, Rebecca. Absolutely made our giraffe's day. And here's a photograph of you with, I assume, a very tall young lady, but she's not as tall as you, or is she as tall as you? Uh, do you remember taking this photograph? We're actually, she's very close to my height. Yes, I do remember. So she's of average height. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, Bob in New Hampshire is thankful to you for taking that photograph. I think, was that from the game game three at the Mohegan Sun? I believe so. Matt in Massachusetts writes, what podcast do you guys listen to? Rebecca? What podcasts do we listen to? Yes. Um, I listen to the New York Times Daily podcast almost daily. You listen to the Daily Podcast daily? I listen to the Daily Podcast. That's like when you say, I read USA Today today. Daily. I I listen sometimes to Conan O'Brien's podcast if he has a a guest who I find especially entertaining. but yeah, it's mostly just the daily. And I, I listen to Pod Save America on occasion as well. What about you? What do you listen to? Well, you know, I mentioned the, the Johnny Carson channel on Sirius XM. That has sent me down a rabbit hole of listening to the Carson podcast hosted by a um, a guy who's a, a Carson, a stand-up comic and a Carson obsessive. And he interviews people, some of them famous, some of them not, who either appeared on generally or worked on the Tonight Show during Johnny's heyday, and it is I'm finding it endlessly fascinating. And since there's five years worth of shows from 2014 up to the present, uh, I can probably listen to this for the next decade without um, without having to find another podcast. And of course, I also listen to Around the Rim, the China Robinson's basketball podcast, and a variety of other women's basketball podcasts. But since I've already been given a hard time for being told that I have no hobbies outside of basketball. Um, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, Ralph writes, uh, Hello, Rebecca and Steve. You've mentioned that you live 12 minutes from Bradley Airport on the podcast, and it occurs to me that Steve and your children may have heard and then seen the effects of the crash there earlier in the week. Well, we just did talk about this on the podcast, but I didn't know or see or, or know anything about the, the crash that did occur, you know, just a, uh, not far from here. Uh, but I was supposed to be picking, we didn't mention this earlier, I was supposed to be picking you up at the airport at like 10.45 or something if the crash happened around 10 a.m. And you must have texted me from the plane. Yeah, as soon as the pilot told us that there was an incident on the runway, I hadn't been on Wi-Fi up to that point. So I got on Wi-Fi. I texted you immediately and said, there's been an incident on the runway. We might have to return to D.C. 
And uh, one thing that was interesting, kind of in hindsight, once I learned what had happened was when we are flying from D.C. to Bradley that day, the visibility was perfectly clear. And it's a beautiful flight when you can see um, when the visibility is that way. You know, you go over Manhattan and you could just see everything. And then after we circled and he told us we were going back to D.C., all of a sudden our visibility was zero and um, for for a, a, a long stretch. And I realized after the fact that it was probably the smoke um, coming yeah, from, from the crash. There columns of, of black smoke. And yeah. they usually send me a text that you're on time, you're early or you're late. And uh, it usually con- contains some version of um, I'll be landing shortly or I'll be home shortly or I'll see you shortly. And it always amuses me because, of course, what you mean is uh, I'll be home longly or I'll be... I'll be landing longly. You were there's nothing about you will ever be um, use that uh, adverb shortly. I also discovered somehow when uh, talking about texts, um, I texted you the other day, and I heard your phone ping on your desk, and you had left without your phone, and and whatever I texted you was. I was bringing the you, kids you to, to the grocery. school. I um, no, I was bringing the kids to school and then going to the grocery afterwards. And I rarely for, leave my phone at home, but it needed to be charged so it was still plugged in. But uh, you you texted me to make sure to get something at the grocery store. Um, yeah. And then I heard a ding on your desk, so I went over to see to confirm my fear that I had just that your phone was on your desk. And when I did, I saw that that my text came up on your screen as Steve Russian. I should point out that you're in my phone as Rebecca. I know. I don't know why you find that odd. Like there are multiple Steves in my phone. And if I don't put your last name, then all the other Steves will come up. Like if I go to text and I write well, Steve, I think if, the I think other you, ones I think will if come you put Steve, first. the first thing that comes up will be me. Particularly if I'm, if, and I'm not assuming I am, I'm the Steve you text most but often. But there, there was a reason I did that. It was, it was a couple of years ago. And I think I'd gone to text you or something or call you or something. And I realized it was a lot easier to have your last name in there than to not have your last name. And the reason I'm just by my first name is because I'm the only Rebecca in your address book. It's simple. It doesn't bother me. It merely amuses me. Just like the presents you give me for my birthday. It doesn't bother me. It just amuses me. It certainly doesn't delight you. Um, And finally, hello, Rebecca and Steve, writes our resident birder, Denise in Glastonbury. Hello, Denise. I thought I should let Rebecca know that I have officially adopted Steve. And the header on this email is, in fact, I've adopted Steve. I thought I should let Rebecca know that I have officially adopted Steve through our local library's Adopt an Author program. This means he will have to write at least one more book. I have already donated Knights in White Castle to them, so I will not, lo- so I will not look like a ninny. <laughs> Carry on. Love Knights in White Castle. Of course, your resident murderer, Denise Tinglass. Well, Steve, you, Steve, Steve, I'm sorry. Steve Russian, you clearly need to write another book just so she does not look like a ninny. Well, oh, people, that's fantastic. <laughs> people tell me to keep writing, and um, and uh, and I had our our uh, our fourteen year old write that down in her beautiful calligraphy on an index card. Keep writing, and I put that on my desk, so I will keep writing because some days I need the reminder, and, uh, uh, despite all of the. Uh, the evidence the contrary to keep writing and this might be a good time to remind people that because you've had quite a few people actually take you up on um, the idea of getting signed books so if people want to have you sign a book for a birthday or whatever just they want a signed copy of your books um, send an email to send your just send your address to to ball and chain pod at gmail and i will uh, reply with the the easiest way to do that exactly and it's very easy and it's worked out well so thanks for all of your interest, and um, I think that's all we have for the past two weeks. Oh, another plug. Um, I'll be talking about and reading from Knights in White Castle if you're in Connecticut uh, this coming Friday night. What's the date this Friday night? Uh, let's do the math. It's uh, the 11th. 11th. This October. Friday night, October 11th, at Westminster School in Simsbury, Connecticut, starting at 7 p.m. They're going to have a couple of students speaking before I, before I do. Um, and you have something to plug, Rebecca? Yeah, well, you and I both do. On October 17th at 5.30 p.m. Um, in Hartford at the Convention Center, you and I are the keynote speakers at the YMCA Celebrate Champions event. So again, this is 5.30 p.m. October 17th. If people want to come support their local YMCA, 
um, great organization, worth really worthwhile uh, way to spend uh, some money and hopefully some time by listening to you and me uh, tell some stories. Do more of this. Exactly. And with that, I think we've covered everything. I think so. So let's have Tom, Dick, and Harry play us out. Tom, Dick, Harry, play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane Six of us and the family pet Live in the cuckoo nest Daily grind for sanity To a daily test Androgynous and ambiguous What we give for a little rest It's day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.